0: Hi, and welcome to Talking With Cancer. I'm Katie, and I'm here to give you an honest, real, and even funny outlook on living with cancer. There is no one way to do cancer, and I've decided to share my story to help and inspire others, as well as raise awareness. At age 43, I was diagnosed with a rare type of thyroid cancer known as hobnail in February 2022, having never had any health issues previously. I was fit and well and took pretty good care of myself, but despite that, I got a diagnosis and I am on a long-term treatment plan. On this podcast, I will be sharing my progress regularly and I often speak to amazing guests who've been impacted by cancer in some way. I really hope you enjoy listening and if you do, then please rate, review, follow and recommend the pod. Welcome back, guys. It's lovely to have you. Thanks for being here. I hope you're enjoying this series so far, season four. And this week is episode five, entitled Tattoo. I'll come on to the reason for that later. So, yeah, I hope you're enjoying the new sort of format that I speak solo. And then the following week, I speak to a guest. Last week, I had Anna Parkinson on And that was a great chat. I really enjoyed speaking to her. And, you know, we touched a little bit on, I guess you could say, sort of the controversy of what she does and the world that she's in, because obviously that is not everyone's cup of tea. And I would say I sit somewhere in the middle, like I've talked already on here about how I am going down a medical route and That's working for me and I really like my team and I feel that that is the way I have to be treated for the cancer that I have. But I also sit in the other camp a little bit, which is that holistically there is a lot that I can be doing to heal and kind of treat my body alongside my medical team. You know, some people are totally in one camp, some people are totally in the other. I guess other people are a bit like me. And I think what I feel with that kind of healing work and meditative work is that it's easy to be cynical about this stuff until you go through something yourself where you experience something amazing that's, like, inexplicable. And I guess that's why I'm sitting in the middle Because as much as I believe in it and I think it's amazing and I think that the world that Anna's in is amazing and lots of other people in that world, I'm very much a kind of I need to see it to believe it. I need to experience it firsthand to really immerse myself fully in that. So I'm really happy kind of sitting where I am. I have that spiritual connection and it works for me. You know, it really works for me. That's something I think is important to share is that I'm not kind of a believer overly one way or overly the other. And I'm continuing to do my meditation and, you know, the kind of the integrative approach that I've talked about before on here. So I wanted to give you a bit of an update on what's going on with me. And the last time that I spoke on here on my own a couple of episodes ago... I had been for a scan. That scan was two months since my previous scan. And it was really a scan to kind of say, okay, what is the new treatment doing? What is the Lembatinib actually doing in terms of the cancer? And I basically, I asked my team. So there's about a week between getting the scan and seeing my oncologist. And It's an anxiety inducing time. And it's not for me, it's not that I go around thinking about these scan results. It's not like in my head all the time. I think what I do is I sort of push that fear and I push that worry sort of down from my head into my body. And I had the most awful like stomach bloating and cramps. I mean, to be fair, that had been going on for a while. I think the Lenvatinib was giving me some bloating, but it also just felt like it was particularly bad around that time of my scan. And it's so uncomfortable, that feeling, like you just know your stomach is just not happy. And I just was so sure that it was anxiety and it was fear. And I think that that anxiety and fear is Of course, it's the unknown. It's going, what is the outcome of this results going to show? Is the treatment working? And, you know, what are we then going to decide? It's a lot to kind of weigh on my mind. And, of course, like my husband Dinch and all of those close around me, have that same worry and that same concern. And two months doesn't feel like a very long time between the scans. I know my next scan is going to be in two months. So I think my oncologist wants to do the scans quite regularly. I actually emailed my nurse and I said, this was the following week. So the scan was on a Thursday. And I think like the following Monday, I emailed and said, if you have the scan results before my appointment with my oncologist I'd really appreciate having a look at them and I think like for me that just works better a it means I can see the scan results sooner but also that sort of walking in to my oncologist's room to get those results those first few minutes and waiting to see her is just so stressful it's like then I have like physically like sweating palms and You know, it's just all of these concerns that I think anyone has when they're getting results. It's a lot to deal with and it's a lot to live with. So about a day or two later, I got the results sent to me in an email. And yeah, it just seems easier to deal with. So basically in a report, like there's quite a lot of information quite a lot of kind of copy written and then at the end there's sort of like a summary and I think I'm going to read you that end summary actually because I think it's interesting to kind of know what's actually written what does it actually say so yeah the summary says and it's classified as opinion by the um the radiologist who does the report And it says multiple enlarged lymph nodes in the neck, mediastinum, upper abdomen, and retroperitoneum, which is the lower abdomen, I think. Appearances are unchanged from previous. That's the previous scan. Stable lymphangitis, predominantly involving the left lung. That's basically like... Residual cancer. It's like little, little, little tiny bits of cancer floating around in my lung. No relapse in the thyroid bed. So, what that means is there's no change basically from the last scan. And the good news is there is no cancer anywhere else. There's nothing new and there's nothing else that's coming up. And, you know, I guess what we could say is like the cancer is stable and therefore the drug is working. Now, I was hopeful that there would be a better result, that the scan would show reduction, you know, that this cancer's starting to shrink. And that's a really good sign. Obviously, we know the treatment's working, but it's just the case that things are the same. And my, initially, I was like, oh, I wanted it to be better. I wanted to feel like, you know, something's really happening. Dinch, my husband, was really happy with those results and his... Reason for that is because the cough, the dreaded, awful, invasive, horrible cough, continues. And what Dinch wanted reassurance was that the cough was not being caused by something new that had come up. So he was very relieved. And when I went a couple of days later to see my oncologist, she was very happy. And she said, look, this is a really good result. We know the drug is working This is great news. And I was like, really, Kate, is it? And she was like, yeah, it is. I said, look, you know, about one in five or six days, I feel really rotten from this drug. I feel really nauseous and really tired and groggy. And she said, you know, some of my patients feel that. So that's not totally unusual, she said. She said, do you notice it like with a diet? Does it affect it? And I said, no, I don't think so. The only thing I've started to notice is if I really don't have a good night's sleep, if it's really broken, then I can feel like nauseous because like the next day. So I've got to try and track whether there's a pattern there. So we said, look, this all very well. Yeah, on the whole, I'm definitely feeling much better. But this darn cough will not go away. What are we doing about it? come on, let's do something. So she said to me, look, I'm going to go back to what I said all along, which is that there is a lymph node, which is sitting at the airway entrance into your right lung. And I think that that is like compressing and causing the cough. So I was like, look, we've tried the steroids, didn't work. We tried antacid, didn't make a difference. Like, what am I going to do? And as I'm looking at Dinch, who's just thinking, please, like, we got to get this cough dealt with. So I was like, okay, tell me what's involved in radiotherapy. And I did a little bit of research. There's a really good podcast, actually, called Rad Chat, and the notes about it say it's the first therapeutic radiographer led oncology podcast discussing a wide range of oncology topics, along with sharing experiences from patients, students, and healthcare professionals within the cancer care and wider healthcare community. So, I listened to that actually a while ago when we were talking about the radiotherapy, like, yeah, a long, long time ago. And that was really interesting. They give a really great explanation for what happens. When you get zapped by the radiotherapy, the risks are that it could affect the organs around where the cancer is. And the side effects is mainly the side effects that gets reported a lot is tiredness afterwards. So I said to Kate, okay, tell me what's involved. And she said, one treatment of radiotherapy. I was like, really? Just one? She said, yeah. I think you're just going to need one. And I think, it's going to, I think it's going to be effective. And basically what it will do is like shrink and kind of kill off the cancer cells. And I was thinking afterwards look, like, even if this doesn't cure the cough, you know, it's one less cancerous lymph node in my body, right? And it's one dose of treatment. So it really feels like a no-brainer. So there and then I had to like sign a form basically understanding like the risks of radiotherapy and what's involved in the treatment and very soon afterwards like I got the call to say can you come in so that we can basically to prep for the radiotherapy you have to go into a scan machine basically where they already have an idea of where they're going to treat you but they need to like measure it to the exact millimeter so you go on the scan machine they have this kind of like green laser light that's pointing at where the area is and then they kind of mark it with a pen and then they obviously you go in the machine and they look at the pictures it takes like a couple of minutes and then they remark it with a permanent tattoo so they put like this little ink dot it's like a freckle on the exact spot so for me it's like down below my kind of chest area, sort of above the rib... No, below the ribs, like, round the diaphragm, in the middle. So now I have a tattoo, which I've never had before. And I'm thinking, like, should I do something with that tattoo? Like, make it into something. So if you've got any thoughts or opinions or know a really good tattoo place in London, let me know. Hook me up. So, yeah, going to have that was really easy and really straightforward. And the other thing I said to Kate in the meeting was, what's going on under my chin? Like she said to me before, there's a swollen saliva gland there. And I was like, oh, God, great. I've got like quite swollen saliva glands, like either side under my chin. I said, can we do anything about those? What are they there? Why are they there? And she said, that is probably a side effect of the radioactive iodine that you had. So last summer I had to go into isolation and have radioactive iodine, which is quite a common treatment used to treat thyroid cancer. But unfortunately for me, it didn't work. So I've been left with these big golf ball feeling, maybe they're not as big as a golf ball, but like these big swollen glands, basically. And I was like, Really? Is there nothing we can do, Kate? And she said, I'm sorry, no. I said, well, I look like I've got a double chin, so that's great. So, yeah, the different kind of side effects and scars and marks and things that happen to your body, you know, during and after treatment, you kind of don't really know about, do you, until you go through it? It's not the nicest place to have these lumps, but I don't think there's anything I can do about that. So yeah, that meeting with Kate was really good, actually, because I came out thinking, she's right, you know, I've got stable disease, that's better than progression. And let's hope that in the next scan in two months time, it might have shrunk. I said, look, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what are you expecting at the next scan? Are you expecting it to shrink more or stay stable? And she was just like, Katie, I really can't tell you. I really don't know. So We just wait and we see. It was quite a funny time, actually, because, like, despite the outcome of that appointment and the results and everything, I felt really fed up. I felt like, you know what? I just want to break from all this for a bit. I just, I don't want to go to hospitals. I don't want to have all these appointments. I don't want to be thinking about the fact that I've got cancer. I don't want to be feeling ill every one in five or six days like yeah I just had this really strong sense of like I am fed up with this now and there's nothing I can do like this is it I'm in this I said to my best friend Katie I've spoken to her on the podcast by the way brilliant episode if you haven't heard it go back and have a listen she's an amazing friend and she said it's fine you're allowed to be fed up you'll just be fed up for a bit And she was so right, you know, it's like, oh, I get so frustrated and I want these feelings to like change and I want things to be different. And then you just go, all right, feel that then. (laughs) There's nothing I can do about it, you know. So I sort of dusted myself off a couple of days later. I just thought, you know what, that's okay. I'm going to feel fed up. I'm going to feel pissed off. And yeah. In other news, what do I have to share with you? Well, I go to the radiotherapy to have the treatment next week. So when I'm next chatting to you solo, I can tell you how that goes. And I have tried, I've started, I should say, I've started doing this really great exercise called gyrotonic. It's a bit like Pilates in the sense that you kind of get on this machine and you kind of use, it looks a bit like those reformer machines and you're kind of sitting on a bench and it's basically using this big reformer type instrument to open up your body. I'm saying this as I'm opening up my body because it feels so wonderful. You kind of lean forward and you expand your chest and your spine and then you like pull back and you kind of like curve your spine and it's just wonderful. It's great for movement and posture. And I think for me, what I felt is that I've needed to do something to kind of open up my body. Like, I don't know about you, but I often feel I'm just stretching now as I'm talking from side to side. I often feel like my ribs are like stuck together. And reason why I love yoga so much is because it's just a great way to like open up and unstick your body and gyrotonic does that it just so happens that there is a clinic like on my high street in Crouch End so I was like amazing this is so convenient and I had a lovely class with this lovely woman and I felt great from it and you know some of it you're kind of lying on your back and then they put these straps around your feet and you have to like pull back with your legs and you feel it in your stomach muscles felt it a little bit the next day as well so yeah that was great and I'm going to try and do that more often and go regularly Um, in fact I'm going to a class today so I'm really looking forward to that that's been lovely Yeah, I'm really pleased to say, like, I'm still doing a bit more cardio. So a couple of times a week, I'm getting on my Peloton bike, which I love. And it's been wonderful. There's the guy I follow called Bradley Rose. He's a really great instructor. He's a really great teacher. And he himself actually had a stroke a couple of years ago and, you know, completely rehabilitated his health back. And he is like this fit, kind of full of energy And it's really inspiring to kind of get on the bike and have a teacher that I like. And I mean, I only do like the low impact classes, but I feel really good for it. So cardio is just, yeah, a great thing to do, because even if I'm feeling a little bit off, a little bit sick, I know that getting on and doing that work is going to really help me. So I feel really good for that.
1: I've got a lovely voice with cancer this week from a woman called Louisa and I was introduced to Louisa by my sound healer, Slavo. Um, I've spoken about him in previous episode and he kind of linked us on Instagram. So we've been following each other for a while. And I was really happy when she responded to the shout out that I put up on social media that I'm always looking for a voice with cancer. Yeah, I'm going to play that for you now. Hi, Katie. What a great podcast you have. My name
2: is Louisa. I was diagnosed diagnosed. With stage four secondary breast cancer in April 2017. So, I obviously had it now for just over six years and I am still on treatment. Thankfully, I am doing very well, but what a ride. I started six cycles of EC chemo a few weeks after my diagnosis. So, I went straight to secondary breast cancer diagnosis with liver mets and had six cycles of EC chemo and then started hormone treatment, so Zolodex, Letrozole and Pulbocyclic, which I am still on. I remember reading a quote, probably one of the first things that really stood out when I was first diagnosed, that said something along the lines of, as long as you're breathing, there is more right with you than there is wrong. And it set me off on a journey to explore breathing and the power of our breath. Prior to cancer, I was a severe asthmatic and had real breathing issues and breathing problems. But it wasn't until my cancer diagnosis that I took my breath seriously. After all, breath is life. Breath is number one. No breath, no life, right? So that's me. That's my tiny mini story while I'm here, still breathing, and hopefully trying to live well with this cancer diagnosis for as long as I can.
1: Look forward to hearing more of your podcasts. Thank you, Louisa. Thanks for listening. And I really appreciate your feedback and comments on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. What really resonates is this idea of kind of living with the diagnosis and the fact that you went on this journey about breath and breath work and now that's something that you do, I believe you do that for a living, which is amazing. So um, yeah, in the show notes, I will put more information about Louisa and how you can find her. And she has a website called Breathe Balance B. So check that out, Breathe Balance B, and I think she's on social media under the same name. Yeah, and I think it's really true and interesting, like, the more we learn about the breath, and it's something I talked to with Vicky Fox, Yoga for Cancer, about the parasympathetic nervous system and how, like, breath is so important to calm oneself down I find that there are loads of different scenarios where if I really focus on my breath and I breathe deep like into my gut especially if I've got like bloating and stomach issues sometimes I realize I'm like holding so much tension I'm hardly even breathing obviously Louisa knows a lot more about this subject which I think is fascinating but it's just really important to remember like even now, how much are you actually conscious of your breath, actually thinking about how long you're breathing in and how long you're breathing out for? And I use breath work so often just to kind of calm me or relax me, and it's a really fascinating world to explore and work in. So, Louisa, I'm sure that I'll be tapping you up for some some of your knowledge and expertise on the subject
0: and yeah what else do I have to share with you did you know I have a fundraising page it's a just giving page it's a talking with cancer fund if you go to my website talkingwithcancer.com It can take you through to the fundraising page. And I split the charities I support. So I support Maggie's, which is the cancer centres all over the UK and abroad. The organisation started about 25 years ago and it's constantly growing. And I'm going to be interviewing Dame Laura Lee, who actually founded Maggie's. So I'm going to get her story and she's going to come on and I'm going to interview her in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, half the money goes to them. And they are basically there to support anyone going through cancer or impacted by cancer. And they do brilliant things, like brilliant timetable full of interesting stuff to do. The other charity that I support on my fundraising page is the Royal Marsden Cancer Charity, but specifically the Emmy Coates Foundation, which was set up in memory of a woman called Emmy Coates who sadly died of a rare thyroid cancer. And her family started this foundation to look into research into rare thyroid cancer, which is what I have. It's very much underlooked because often thyroid cancer is very treatable. You know, there's kind of like a clear path very often to how to deal with it. But then sometimes, in my case, for example, you know, there are thyroid cancers that are rare and need more research, really, to to understand how can we treat this type of thyroid cancer. So the money that gets raised specifically goes to the research for rare thyroid cancer. And anything that you can donate is hugely appreciated. You can choose to split your donation between those two charities, or you can choose one over the other. It's completely up to you. All I ask is that if you enjoy listening to the podcast, which is free, Just think of, like, donating what you would pay for a monthly Spotify subscription or a monthly Netflix subscription, which is, I think, about £10. If you can donate about £10, that would be so appreciated. That really does mean a lot, and I think that both those causes are really important. They've helped me, they continue to help me, and they will help other people too. So, yeah, thank you so much for whatever you can donate. And thank you so much for listening this week. I hope you've enjoyed hearing me chat. Next week, I am speaking to a really cool woman, Rabbi Susan Goldberg, who's based in LA. Susan herself had cancer and she talks about how that experience affected her personally, but also professionally and how she applies the learning from that experience into her work today. Um, She's a wonderful woman. I really love chatting to her. So yeah, tune in to that next week and I'll speak to you soon. Lots of love and take care. Bye.